Pastor Lance, come on up, buddy. Join me up here. Pastor Lance is going to be preaching our message today as we continue in the I Am series. Today we're in John 11, talking about Jesus being the resurrection and the life. And um, so Pastor Lance is going to be leading us in that. Before he begins, I'd just like to share a word of prayer over him and just over our time together in the Word. So will you bow your heads with me as we pray together. Father, I thank you so much for Pastor Lance and for his ministry here at Faith. And Lord, while he presents to us the message that you've placed upon his heart to share with us, we ask, Father, that your Spirit would bless his lips. Lord, we ask for an anointing upon him as he delivers your Word. We pray, Father, that our hearts would be ready to receive, that we would lean in, to hear from your word and from this servant who's prepared to share today. We ask, Father, for your grace and blessing over this time now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you, Russell. So, yes, I am preaching again, and what a privilege it is to be able to stand up here again and to deliver God's word. And uh, today, I just want to kind of, obviously, we're looking at John chapter 11, like Russ said, but before we get there, I want to remind us of where we have been. And, and in this story, here in, in John, we've talked about, Russ has spoke on, I am the bread of life. And then he talked about that I am the light of the world. And last week, I am the gate and the good shepherd. And I want to remind us of that because the disciples who are following Christ would have heard these statements and would have seen these things happening. And they would have understood in a way of what God was saying to them and what Christ was saying to them. But yet, I do find it interesting that in John chapter 10, towards the end of it, Jesus, when he claims to be the Son of God, they they says this, and in John chapter 10, verse 25 Jesus replied, I have already told you and you do not believe me. The proof is in the work I do in my Father's name. But you do not believe me because you are not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. And I think it's interesting because Russ touched on that last week. And I want us to remember that statement of my sheep know my voice and they know me. And we'll circle back to that at the end, and we'll tie it all in. I promise um, we're going we're to do that. But as we do that, I want, we're going to look at John chapter 11. So flip with me to John chapter 11, and you'll see that this is the story of, of raising Lazarus. And what a powerful story to get into it. So we're going to read just verses 1 through, through 44, and... Uh, it's a lot of verses. We'll get through it, I promise. You know, we'll get done around 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Your lunch will be all ready. It'll be nice and the meat will be tender. Jim, it may be burnt, the brisket, but you'll be okay. Okay, so let's read John chapter 11, starting in verse 1. It says, A man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters, Mary and Martha. This is Mary and Martha. This is the Mary who later poured the expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped it with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was sick. So the two sisters sent a message message to Jesus, telling them, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. 
But when Jesus heard it, he said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God. So that the Son of Man will receive glory for that. The Son of God will receive glory from this. So although Jesus loved Martha and Mary and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. Finally said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. But his disciples objected. Rabbi, they said, only a few days ago, the people in Judea were trying to stone you. And you are going to go there again? Jesus replied, there are 12 hours of daylight each day. During the day, people can walk safely. They can be seen because they have the light. They can see because they have the light of this world. But at night, there is danger of stumbling because there is no light. Then he said, our, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but now I will go and wake him up. The disciples said, Lord, if he is sleeping, he will soon get better. They thought that Jesus meant Lazarus was simply sleeping, but Jesus meant Lazarus had died. So he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I am glad I wasn't there, for now you, re- you will really believe. Come and let's go see him. Thomas, nicknamed the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let's go too and die with Jesus. When Jesus arrived at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus had been in the grave for four days. Bethany was only a few miles down the road from Jerusalem. And many of the, excuse me, many of the people had come to console Mary and Martha on their loss. When Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him. But Martha stayed in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Yes, Martha said, he will rise when everyone else rises for the last day. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never ever die. Do you believe this, Martha? Yes, Lord, she told him. I have already believed you are the the Messiah, the Son of God, and the one who has come into the world from God. Then she returned to Mary. She called Mary aside from the mourners and told her, The teacher is here and wants to see you. So Mary immediately went to him. Jesus had stayed outside the village at the place where Martha met him. When the people who were with her at the house consoling Mary saw her leave so hastily, They assumed she was going to Lazarus' grave to weep. So they followed her. When when Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him, and he was troubled. Where have you put him? He asked them. They told him, Lord, come and see. Then Jesus wept. The people who were there standing nearby said, see how much he loved him. But some said, this man has healed a blind man. Couldn't he have kept Lazarus from dying? Jesus was still angry as he arrived at the tomb. A cave with a stone rolled across its entrance. Roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested. Lord, he has been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. Jesus responded, I did not tell you that you, did I not tell you that you will see the glory if you believe? 
So they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me, but I say it out loud for the sake of these people standing here, so that they may believe you sent me. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his, hand and his, his hands and his feet bound in grave cloths, his face wrapped in a headcloth. Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. So I know that was a long passage, but we're going to digest it now. And you see, as we read in the early parts of John chapter 11, we see Jesus was told that his friend is sick. And if we rewind back to Luke chapter 10, we actually see that Jesus had already visited Mary and Martha. And we see that Martha and Mary are sitting there. And it's a very common story. And we see one sister is cooking and taking care of the house and getting everything ready while the other sister is sitting at the feet of Jesus, taking it in. And I think that's interesting because the sister that was sitting at the feet of Jesus was Mary, but the sister who was cooking and cleaning the house was Martha. And I want you to remember that because one that points to it, that tells us that Jesus really didn't know them, that they actually were pretty good friends, and that they had understood and they had loved each other. And they spent time with each other. But we see also in these first couple chapter, or these first couple verses that Jesus' followers were against him. They were against him. They didn't want him to go. And we see here in, verse, in the early verses that they said, Lord, like, you can heal him. Why not go? But Jesus, it tells us that he stayed there. He stayed where he was. And, and you see, before I get ahead of myself, he wanted to go back to Judea. And they said that they're going to stone you. And he said, I don't care. Like, I'm going to walk in the light. I'm going to walk in what I know. And I'm going to walk in who I know because I am the son of God. And I have, like, it's not my time to die. One, I imagine Jesus was sitting there thinking that. But also, Jesus knew the power that was in the light and not in the darkness. He knew the power of the light. And in verse, verse 17, it tells us that it's a short day's journey from where he was at. And I'm not a, a fast runner by any chance of the imagination, okay? But I know that I can run two miles within about a half an hour. And that's, that's pretty slow. So... You know, two miles and a half an hour, that's a 15-minute pace. Like, I think Judah could probably run that. But, so we can see that Jesus could have got there within a half an hour, probably. But he didn't. He stayed. And I think there's power in that statement of, but he waited. And he didn't just wait an hour. He waited days. You see, so often in our lives, we can rush what we want, but God's telling us to wait, to just be patient and to wait. And I think Jesus was sitting there, one, to, he knew that what he was going to do was going to glorify God, but also because he knows that there's power in the waiting. And when he waited, he knew that that's when the real power of his Father will be revealed. And I think we need to take note of that that Jesus just stopped. And I'm sure in that time he spent time with the Father, praying, 
and engaging the Father. And I ask us today, how many times in our lives do we rush decisions? How many times in our lives do we rush into action? How many times in our lives do we rush instead of waiting upon the Lord and saying, Lord, I know I could go do this or that, but I'm going to wait. I'm going to be patient. I'm going to let you speak. I'm going to listen to what you're saying. And sometimes it's uncomfortable. Sometimes it may feel like he's not speaking. But he is. And sometimes we miss it. As I was preparing this week, I, I just simply was saying, God, may you speak. Lord, let your voice be heard. Holy Spirit, use me. And as I was, pre- as I was preparing, there was a song that came on that I'd never heard before, never li- don't even know the artist, I didn't know him. And it was, uh, it was simply called The Voice of God. And I love it because in there it says, you know, the voice of God can be heard in the early morning breeze. The voice of God can be heard in the busy New York City streets. And the voice of God can be heard in the, in the cornfields of Iowa. He actually says Nebraska, but I'm going to say Iowa because who doesn't like corn in Iowa, am I right? But the voice of God, I can hear the voice of God everywhere I go, but what he's saying is I have to listen and I have to wait. I have to wait the voice of God. Verse 20, if we fast forward a little bit here. Verse 20, when Martha heard that the Lord was near, she ran out to met him, or to meet him, met him while, she ran out to meet him while Mary stayed in the home. And I mentioned Mary and Martha earlier, and we see early in, in, in Luke that Martha was one that was so worried about everything in the world while Mary sat at the feet of Jesus. Now we have the roles reversed to where Martha's like, Lord's coming, here we go, I'm going to find him. And what's Mary doing? She's crying, she's weeping because she just lost someone that she loved and that's normal. But Martha was like, but it's Jesus, like I'm going to focus on Jesus and not focus on my earthly stuff. And Martha, she, had knew, she knew what was going on and she knew who, the Lord's power. And she knew who Jesus was. And I love her response to Jesus in verse 21. Lord, if only you had been here. So one, she starts blaming Jesus, which I'm like, whew, that's a bad place to be in. Like, let's not blame Jesus. Jesus? I mean, like, I can blame myself for stuff, but let's not blame Jesus. It's only you have been here, Lord, you could have stopped this. But you weren't. But her faith shines. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask. See, in our lives, we can blame Christ and we can blame God for what's going on. But when we have this underlying faith, when we know what God has done and what he can do, we can say, but even now, Lord, may you move. And I know you have the power to do whatever you want. Martha didn't get stuck where Mary was at. 
Mary was focused on, it's not the right time. He died and he was young. We don't know the actual age of Lazarus and Mary, at the, and Mar- Mary and Martha at the time, but based on the stories that come, yeah, I'm, I would imagine that he's actually a pretty young guy. And it's not the right time. For us, we can sit there and say, God, it's not the right time for me to lose my job. God, it's not the right time for my parents to go through a divorce. God, it's not the right time for the economy to tank. And I imagine God sitting there going, just watch. Just watch what I'm going to do. And Mary was so focused on what is here and now. And Martha's faith shone through, but, but yet she still had doubt. And if we continue on, it says in verse, verse 23, Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said, yes, he will rise when everyone else rises at the last day. Martha was focused on the earthly. See, she knew Christ's power, but she didn't trust it, if you will. She knew that Christ had the power to do all these amazing miracles, but she didn't trust Christ enough when he said, he will rise again. See, Martha was focused on the here and now, but God and Jesus, or Martha was focused on the future, but Jesus is saying, no, watch what I'm going to do now in this moment. I have called you to this moment. I've brought you to this moment. And Jesus simply says this, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. In our lives, we can lose track of this. We can lose track that we are called to live in life with Christ. We can sit there and say, All right, God, I know you can do this. I know you can bring me out of this, this problem, this issue that's going on. And I trust you to do it, but uh, I have doubts. I have doubts. And Martha was asked a question. Do you believe this, Martha? Do you believe I am the resurrection and the life? And she responds, yes, Lord. I've always believed you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who has come into the world from God. I think this was kind of a humbling experience for her because she was sitting there going, okay, yes, Jesus. I believe it and I see it. And what does she do? She goes and she gets Mary. And she walks up to Mary and says, the Lord is here. And Mary is now, I'm sure she can see Martha's excitement a little bit, but also kind of Martha's like, well, the Lord's here. Like, you better get up and go. The Lord wants to see you. So what does Mary do? She gets up and she goes and she brings a whole caravan of people with her. Martha didn't get stuck. And Mary, because of Martha's faith, got unstuck. If we fast forward when, in verse 30, it says, Jesus stayed outside the village at the place where Martha met him. I think it's interesting because Jesus could have, when Martha left, he could have said, all right, I'm going to go to the grave of Lazarus. And I'm going to just pull him out of that grave and, 
and raised him from the dead. But instead, once again, what did Jesus do? He waited. There's power in the waiting. He waited because he knew that if he did this, while it would have been powerful, it wouldn't have been as powerful as what was about to happen. So he waited outside the city, outside the village where he met Martha. And when they all came, what did Mary say? Once again, Lord, if only you were here. Like, come on, it's not like you have anything else to do. You were just a couple miles up the road. Why didn't you get here? Why didn't you hurry? If only you were here. And I imagine Jesus is fed up with getting blamed at this point. So he's angry. Like, I have just told you. Like, I have told you all these things. Rewind back to John chapter 10. I have already told you and you do not believe me. The proof is in the work I do in the Father's name. Jesus has proven who he is. And yet they still don't believe. How many times in our life has Christ or God pulled us out of a situation? How many times has he pulled us out of something that we feel like we're trapped in and we can't get out of and yet we still go back to it or we still feel like he, he can't touch this or that or like he can't save us from other issues? How many times in our lives do we blame God for our hardships when really we're the ones that, that made it or that, that did it? And Jesus is filled with great anger. It says, it said so in verse 35. He was deeply angered and deep anger welled up within him. And he asked him, where, where did you put him? Like he's sick of kind of answering questions, I imagine. So he's like, all right, where'd you put him? Like you didn't believe me when I showed you all his other miracles and I told you all his other stuff. Where'd you put him? And remember, up to this point, no one has ever, like, risen from the dead. So I imagine Jesus is like, where'd you put them? I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you who I am. And Jesus responds when they... Jesus was actually... So he was questioned. Like, if this, this man healed a blind man, couldn't he have saved Lazarus from dying? Couldn't he have healed his sickness? And they doubted, the crowd was doubting Jesus as well. And Jesus, being Jesus, is like, boy, oh boy, I'm going to show you something great. And when he, he was angry, when he arrived at the cave and the tomb, and they rolled away the stone, and he, as he told them to. And Martha said, Lord, he's been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. Now, four days... In the custom of, of, of this region in this area, the spirit remains in the body for two days. Or some people believe that it could have returned to the body within two days. But he was dead for four. You see, God, Jesus knew that in this time that people believe like, well, he could have just been in a deep sleep or a coma. But Jesus, when he was told like, He's been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. Jesus replied, didn't I tell you that you'll see God's glory if you believe? You'll see God's glory if only you believe. So they rolled away the stone. And I love Jesus because I believe Jesus can sometimes be a little salty. And sometimes he's like, oh. And I love his prayer here. Father, 
Thank you for hearing me. You always hear me. I have this connection with you because, well, you're my father. But I say it out loud for the sake of these people standing here so that they may believe that you have sent me. I imagine Jesus sitting there kind of saying, Lord, like, God, I know you hear me, Father. We have this connection that no one else will ever have. But here's the deal. I'm saying this out loud because these people still don't believe. After all the work I've done, after everything I've shown them, they still don't believe. So, Lord, I'm showing them now, and God, let's go. And what does he do? The voice of Jesus says this, Lazarus, come out. I started out by talking about this voice of God, and here we see the voice of God call into a dead tomb. Call into a dark probably musty, definitely a stinky spot. And Jesus just says, come out. The voice of God speaks into the death. The voice of God speaks into the hardships. The voice of God speaks into the worldly stuff. And what happens? And the dead man came out. The voice of God moves into action. The voice of God moves people into action. The voice of God has all the power to push us into action. As I wind down, I want to focus on this last part, this last little portion of Scripture. Lazarus came out, and he came out with his feet and his head bound with the grave cloths, his face wrapped in the headcloth. Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. See, Jesus called Lazarus out of a dead situation, right? He was dead, gone. And he spoke. And he rose. He raised Lazarus back to life. And today in our lives, I ask you, what is dead inside of you that God needs to speak to? See, we all sin, and the wage of the sin is death. So by sinning, we are equal to have death in our life. And that's what we're living in. Some of us, we're living in a tomb of death and of darkness, and it stinks, and it's foul, and it's against what God wants. And the voice of God is calling out to us, Come out! I'm here! I died on that cross so you don't have to live this way anymore. Come out of this grave and live in the life that I have given you. Come out of the stink, the the stank of what's going on in your life. Come out of the hardships and follow me. And what do we often do? All right, God, I'll come out. Oh, some fresh air. All right, I'm going to go back in now, though. Right? We run back to our sin. And we keep on sinning. And what what does Christ say? Unwrap him and let him go. Christ is calling us to be let go of our sin. Christ is calling us to be unwrapped. That picture of being wrapped up in these sackcloth or in these, this cloth, and I'm not, I don't know what it's like to be wrapped up in those, but imagine when Lazarus came out, it wasn't like he was just walking casually, right? Like, those are usually pretty tight, so imagine he kind of waddled out like a penguin, right? Like, he's waddling out, and what does Jesus say? Let him go! Unwrap him and let him go! Our sin enslaves us, and our sin traps us, confines us, makes us feel just, 
sucked in, makes us feel like we can't move. It paralyzes us in fear. It paralyzes us in our life, and our sin is that cloth that's wrapped around us. That Christ is calling to be taken off of us. You see, Christ yells into the grave, and he raises Lazarus from the dead, and he brings us to the resurrection. What is holding you in that grave? What is holding you in that sin? Do you feel like it's too much to be rescued from? Like, Jesus just raised a guy from the dead. I think he can handle your sin. I know he can. As I was reflecting on this week and getting ready, I was reminded of all the stuff that God's brought me through. All the sin, the anger, the hatred, and all the stuff that I've had to go through. And and I was reminded of the graves that I was living in, the death and how bad it stunk. And while so oftentimes pastors get the reputation of being perfect, and I'm here to tell you I'm not perfect. I know Russell said the same thing. I don't have it all put together. I'm preaching this message as much to myself as I am to you guys. Because sometimes I can also fall back into a sin pattern. Sometimes I can also, when my kids do something, I can also get angry and lose my cool. But I'm reminded this week of God's calling us out of that. And that Jesus has the power to rescue us from that. And all we have to do is to listen to the Father's voice. And to come out of those graves. All we have to do is listen. So I ask you one last question. Actually, I'm going to ask you a couple. But Will you come out of the stinkiness of your sin and live in the fresh air that God has called you to? And today as you leave this sanctuary and as you leave this church, When you walk outside, I encourage you just to stop and to just take a big deep breath in and be reminded of the freshness that Christ brings into our life. And I know we got some cows across the road, so you may get a little whiff of those, but I promise you that stench is nothing compared to the stench of your sin when it reaches the Father's nose. Live in the fresh air. Don't live in the dead tomb. Live in the open. Live and let go and let God take control. So as I end in prayer, I ask you this, because we are all sinners, and for some of us in this room, we need to return to the Father. We may have come to the Father at a young age, or we may have come to know the Lord earlier this, possibly even earlier this year, but we've walked away and we've left and we've went back to that tomb, to the dead, to the sin. And I ask you, will you come out of that tomb? And will you let that sin just die there? Will you leave that sin in that tomb and will you come to the fresh air? And for some of us, we may not know God. For some of us, we may have never experienced that relationship with Christ. And you're saying, ah, I'm struggling because I know. I know I'm not living right and I know something in my life needs to change and, 
I feel trapped. I feel anxious. I feel hurt. I feel worried. I'm not getting good rest. And this man named Jesus, if he can raise someone from the grave, well, I want him to raise me to life as well. There is a day coming to where those who are not with Christ, who are not have a relationship with Christ, will be judged and they will have to die again. But those who have a relationship with Christ will live eternally. We'll get to live in the fresh air of heaven. It smells a lot better than Iowa air. It smells a lot better than Michigan air. It smells a lot better than any air that this nation has. So I ask you, do you need to come to the Father? Is God's voice speaking to you right now? And will you listen? So as I pray, there'll be a chance for you to accept Christ. Or a chance for you to come back to Christ. And I ask you if the Lord's prompting for you just to follow when prompted. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for today, Lord. I thank you that you have raised us from the dead and that we are not called to live in the stinkiness of our sin. Lord, I thank you for reminding us that there's an empty tomb of Lazarus's, but also Jesus of yours, to remind us of the life we have when we follow you and when we are called by you, and we listen to you, and we give our lives to you. So, Father, for those who are watching here in person and online, Lord, I just pray right now that, Lord, if you are speaking to them, if you are prompting them to accept you into their lives or to rededicate their life to you, that, Lord, they, they follow after me and that they repeat after me, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. And, Father, I am sorry for not following you. Jesus, I know you have called me out of a dead tomb into life with you. Jesus, come and fill me up. Jesus, come and and give me that eternal life. Lord, may you be the Lord of my life. Jesus, take all I am cleanse me of my sins. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I thank you for how you are at work. Lord, I just pray over these people right now that, Father, as you, Lord, as you prompted, that, Lord, you speak. When every head bowed and every eye closed, if you prayed that prayer with me, Lord, just put your hand in the air to represent that dedication that you are making to Christ today. Father, we thank you for your power. Lord, we thank you for how you move. And God, just pray right now. Lord, we rejoice in new life. We rejoice in renewal. Lord, we rejoice in you. And Father, as we get ready to worship you again, Father, may our hearts be in a a position to accept what you're saying. And Lord, as this song declares, because he lives, Lord, we can live and face tomorrow. God, I thank you that we can live in you. Lord, I thank you that you, Father, have given us eternal life, Jesus. Thank you. Lord, thank you for your word and thank you for this time. It's in your name we pray. Amen.
before we sing this song, there's just a couple of things that I want to say. Uh, first off, Lance, that was an excellent message. I was fed today. I was fed today. Were you fed today? Thank you, Lance. I'm watching you grow right in front of my, my eyes, man. That was a solid message. That was a solid message. What's sticking out to me with this passage, have you ever heard the statement that there's three kinds of people in this world, the ones who can count and those who can't? Thank you. That was a joke, okay? There's three kinds of people, I think, in this passage. You have Martha, and she's needing answers. Lord, why did you let this happen? I, I need some answers here. Okay, and sometimes when we're going through things in life, there are the kind of people who they're needing answers. And they're asking a lot of questions. The other kind of person is like Mary. And she's just like, Lord, I just need you to enter into my pain with me. I lost my dear loved one. I don't necessarily need answers. I just need you to be with me. And I need you to comfort me. And the third person are those who are dead. Spiritually dead. They're in a tomb. Lance talked about that today. And one of the things that Jesus says is he says, remove the stone. And Ezekiel talks about how for those who are saved, God removes their heart of stone and he gives them a heart of flesh. And that third person, Lazarus, he walks out alive. He's to some degree a dead man walking. <laughs> He's alive. What's interesting is the very next chapter is the, the Pharisees, the religious leaders, not only want to arrest and kill Jesus, but now they also want to kill Lazarus too. Could you imagine being resurrected from the dead only to come back to find out that there's people that want to kill you? <laughs> Thanks for raising me. Appreciate that. <laughs> we can laugh about that now, but the reality of it is, as Lance shared, there's people who are walking around and they're, they're in this tomb. Whatever they're walking through, they need God's resurrection power. And he is the resurrection and the life and because he lives we can face uncertain days we're in some uncertain days with all the unrest that's going on around us but we can face it all because christ lives if you prayed with pastor lance to receive christ into your life one of the things we want to make sure you get access to is this resource called now what during communion, we're going to have the prayer team available on each side here of the altar rails. If you'd like prayer, if you prayed to receive Christ, I want to encourage you to come and pray with the prayer team. Let them know, I receive Christ today. We're going to equip you with this resource that comes with a Bible. These are also available at our welcome desk and also available at the link uh, for those that are watching online, the link you see on the screen.